When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back. It's the Winning Plays podcast. Rich Levine, Brian, Rob. Back with us today, Ryan Bernardoni. We're doing this uh, about 90 minutes before the end of the moratorium period. So there's a chance, like maybe this is the stupidest possible time to be recording a podcast. But I don't know. We're going to be ready to go like as soon as, as, soon as it ends, B-Rob. Is that what you're thinking? We're going we're gonna to hit this right when it, right when the iron is hottest yes so we well it's funny because our last podcast that ryan and i did we did sunday night you know just hours before free agency started and we're thinking okay that's going to become super dated right away as all rumors and it actually still holds up i think probably four days later right now so i think we're, we're recording right now at the best possible time and i'm sure everything we, we cover here is not gonna <laughs> not gonna become dated at all all right well uh Let's say welcome back, Ennis Cantor. Yes. Can we do that? I, I don't know. I, I'm not applauding. I mean, well, can we, should we start just with the, the sequence of events that led Cantor to coming back here? Let's do because that. Because I really want to, like, I think I wrote about this in the last line. I do think it's, it's worth the, the deep dive into it all. It starts, so, with Aaron Baines back in 2019, the Celtics dumping him with a first-round pick. Um, to clear some money under the cap and getting back a worse first round pick in order to clear the cap room for Kemba Walker that off season, they obviously signed the, the four year max to Kemba and then signed cancer as a replacement for Baines for $5 million, two years. Cantor has, I'd say an okay season for him. Like nothing. He wasn't good. He didn't play defense, but he won them some regular season games, I think with his production. Uh, but then after heading into last offseason, the offseason in 2020, again, he picks up his team option, $5 million, not a great contract, but, you know, fine. But the Celtics decide, hey, we want to upgrade that position. Let's trade him with a draft pick on draft night, number 30 overall, which is Desmond Bain and uh, end up being Desmond Bain. And then they go and they sign Tristan Thompson for the full mid level of $9.2 million, which we all know how that turned out and which also all limited all kinds of things they could do in terms of trade exception stuff. Cause they got hard capped and addressing other areas, of the roster, at least he was great while he was here. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like he really like <laughs> fit in perfectly. And then we come full circle now with the salary dump of Tristan Thompson. I guess they didn't have to give up anything to get rid of him, except take back a couple of questionable contracts. Chris Dunn, we don't know if they're going to even play here. And now we bring back Anis Cantor for the veterans minimum. Uh, Ryan's favorite player. He, I know he is super excited about this, but 
is that sequence of events uh, for both of you guys just like the perfect summary of what kind of how things have gone for this team in the last two years? Well, don't forget, they also, because they had Tristan Thompson dump Daniel Tice to get yes, under luxury yes, tax, who's the yep. only of all of these centers, the only player <laughs> of all these centers who anybody is viewed as having positive contracts. Can we value. talk about that for a second? Like, fact, for some real money. The fact that they dumped Tice and he for got like $9 million a year and they had to pay money to get rid of him, I think that's a, yep. an even bigger indictment of like, that That was bad. Yep. That was really bad. The Obviously what happened is that everybody knew what they were trying to do and so nobody was willing to take him to get them off the hook. Um, now you would think somebody would just take him and not make them give anything, but also in those last couple of like minutes of, of the trade deadline, you can't canvas the entire league and look for the best deal necessarily. Like you kind of have to take what you get, but yeah, it was ridiculous. They, they paid so, to get rid of him. They missed him very clearly. Um, especially after, uh, Rob Williams, you know, missed games at the end of the year and they had no real options for the, for that position at different times. You got a little bit more of the, um, the uh, experience of, of Tristan Thompson and who I don't even remember who was backing him up at this point. <laughs> Luke Cornette. Uh, Luke Cornette. Yeah. The, the unicornette um, playing there. And, and they, and then he goes off and he signs a real contract now. And that contract may turn out to not be great either. Like you don't want to pay anybody at that position. Who's not particularly good um, real money. And, and we'll see if they regret that contract a couple of years from now, but he's an actual, you know, starting caliber, low end starting caliber NBA center. They also dumped in the entire thing. The big thing about it is that it's just embarrassing, right? Like that's what it comes down to. If re-signing Ennis Cantor, signing Ennis Cantor to a minimum contract for one year, like who really cares? It's actually not that big of a deal. I don't enjoy watching him play basketball um, <laughs> because he's not my style of player. And so it's annoying for me from, from that perspective. But the bigger thing is that it really is just kind of an embarrassment for the franchise to like go through that, that cycle. And I know that Brad wasn't the decision maker before and is now. And we've talked about how he was sort of undoing some of the things that, that Danny did. But one of the things that I don't think anybody was clamoring for him to undo was bringing back Ennis Cantor. And that's what's happened so far. So um, it's just a bad look more than like a bad actual financial or roster building problem. Cause again, it's a minimum contract when it was originally put out there, there was some reporting that it was like, might be part of the MLE. And I was like, what are you talking <laughs> about? So thankfully it wasn't that. So what, what's Ennis's role? I think it's, I mean, like, what, like, is he, is he a guy? So given his personality, given his outspokenness, and I'm not talking about anything off the, I'm just talking on the court. You know what I mean? He is a, a powerful presence. And are we comfortable with that guy at the end of the bench? Is he comfortable being at the end of the bench at this point of his career, you think? Well, he signed for the minimum. And so when you sign for the minimum, you have to be at least somewhat understanding of what your, your role is. And you would hope that he's able to look at the team and say that they've got two guys who are probably going to play ahead of him. Um, but you never quite know. He, he also figured that there's enough injury risk between Horford and Williams that like he will play some amount and there will be some matchups where he's more useful than others. Um, the two things I would sort of add into there are one, it's I fear that they will play Al Horford some amount and that that will be how they free up minutes for him. Like I'm terrified of it, but I also think that it may happen during the regular season. Why do you think? Because it does seem like they don't have any idea, but like why would they still do it? If, they, if it's if it's that clearly a bad idea. And I agree with you. It doesn't seem yeah, like Al Horford yeah. in 2021 can play the four position. Well, he couldn't in 2019, which is what happened in Philadelphia. <laughs> like, we know that he can't. and But we knew that they couldn't do it last year, and they continued. Right. It worked well last year, so they have to go back to it. They have to go yeah. back to this well again. <laughs> it's But to your point, I mean, I, that's why, again, I think there's other shoes to drop here, but it's kind of nuts. So, so Cantor actually had a career high, and I'm not, again, I'm not, 
like a big Cantor fan. I don't hate him as much as Ryan does in terms of like what he does on the court and the fit. But like aesthetically, I, he's, aesthetically, he's aesthetically, yeah, aesthetically, it's not pleasing. But like the yeah. production, like he had, he shot career highs sixty percent in Portland last year, and had a career high eleven point four rebounds per game in only twenty four minutes per game. Again, these are empty calorie stats, but still, it's it's kind of funny now that Cantor's at a point of his career where it's like he puts up, you know, career best numbers at twenty eight. He played every single game, which again I think is another plus in the column though. To Ryan's point of like you're going to need injury insurance behind Rob and Al just based on them being Al and, and Rob. And so can't like for the tank. Yeah, exactly. So like he he'll stay out there, but rich, it's funny that like he's putting up those numbers out and yet, and this is after that, he has to like settle for the veterans minimum. That's clearly the, the only job he was offered right now. It seems like he's, he's put up a lot of seasons with solid numbers. Like if you just scan through like his, his years on, and uh, basketball reference still he keeps on ending up on a different team every season I think that's more telling than some of those numbers and I think obviously the contract I think shows that the league is caught up to to end his canter but like you said if he's your third center and a guy that you you know most likely is going to be out there going to be going to be healthy um hey I said as long as he doesn't disrupt too much because I know he's a, he's a very powerful presence and sometimes again if you're that and you're cool being the third center and that's great. If you're not, it can cause some issues. So we'll see. Well, it's so better. Is, I was going to be better than Moses Brown, Ryan. Uh, maybe. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> um, will the question is, um, you know, will he be better than anybody else they could have gotten for the minimum, or um, Bruno Fernando, who I guess they technically have at this point, we think. Um, but the, so the question I have is something that we talked about quite a bit last year when they were going through the the double big stuff, which is like, will. Uh, you know, will Ime Odoka be more willing to just DNP veterans than Brad ever seemed willing to do? Uh, if he's trying to play multiple bigs to create time so that you can play Ennis Cantor because Ennis Cantor has been in the league for 10 years, then that's a problem. Uh, if the understanding is like, you're going to get DNP when we're playing against teams that you just don't have any matchup for and when we're fully healthy, then it's less of a problem. If they had done that last year and just said, there are going to be times when Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice just don't play, then it wouldn't have been like, as much again as much of an issue that they were trying to force in these double big lineups and that's something that we just don't know about yet it's just like you, you kind of have to have a stronger personality in terms of lineup decisions than the Celtics have had um, with Brad at least in the last couple of years when it seemed like he struggled to like you know tell players that they were over the hill um, and so we'll see how that that plays out as well I think yeah, B-Rob, so what, where do you think the mindset is for the team? Because I, I, I was having similar thoughts when people were saying, oh, Celtics should, should sign George Hill. Like, I don't know if there's anything, anything reputable. I heard that in my text, right? It came across, yeah. hey, what if they sign George Hill? But it's like, George Hill goes to a team that is a contender at this point in his career. Right. The Celtics are in a position where I think they're better off trying to find like a younger point guard to give some minutes to, take a chance on some people, see if you can strike gold, even fucking bronze, right? Someone that an unexpected contributor to this new core. So I, that that's where Ime, I hope, and Brad are going to approach this season. Yeah. And I mean, that's been, I think it's a great point, Rich, in terms of like, you see what everyone is going everywhere right now for veterans' minimums, whether it's LA, you know, Patty Mills for just a taxpayer mid level. Like, he could have gotten more money. A lot of these guys could have gotten more money. But the Celtics, you know, there is what they can offer is opportunity in the standpoint of like, if you are a, a useful, especially some depth as a three, four behind Tatum and Brown, like there, there, you could, there could be the case could be made. There's a starting job to be had in Boston, depending on what Josh Richardson's role is going to be, you know, for someone who's a reclamation project who just wants a chance. But to your point, like 
for any veteran who wants a ring, Boston is not the place to be this year. It's certainly very low on your list because, you know, they are maybe what the sixth, seventh, eighth best team in the East right now. Um, and that, I mean, again, depending, right. right. And again, this is not this, the off season is not over by any means that could change in a hurry with a move or two that, you know, we'll get to in a bit, but yeah, it's, I think to your point, like a reclamation project that's on the younger side is probably, you know, your best bet there. If you are going to spend it all with the mid-level exception, which, you know, we'll, we can get into that a little later too, in terms of what their, their actual plans are there and what kind of limitations they're working under the tax. But yeah, it's, it's clear now that, I mean, there's some appealing names that are still out there, but you're one. not going to get any one. I mean, <laughs> is there one player that I think there's one player who you're talking about is a younger reclamation project who plays a three, four. And he's somebody that Danny Ainge tried to trade a lot of draft picks for. Right? Uh, I don't know who else there is that fits that bill. And I don't actually know if you're better off playing justice Winslow or just giving Aaron Neesmith the minutes for the exact I, same thing we we're just talking about, about right. investing time in some younger players. Let's hear from our sponsor bet online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your, all your sports action we know baseball season's in full swing right now. They just got out of the all-star break, but you can get odds on that. NBA off-season stuff, NHL, UFC, real-time updated odds and props, almost anything you can imagine. So before things get going, we know you want to make some summer league bets, Rich, too. So before you oh, do cool. that, yeah. head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports experts. Any chance on Schroeder? Is he going to oh, get I, des- I was is, is, for the 3 4? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. no, no, I was just, I was just, I was just changing the subject. Like, is, is he going to get desperate enough? And you talk about a chance to play against two really good, playing with two very good uh, wings. Is there any chance that he ends up in Boston? If he wants to start, he should look at. I mean, it, he's going to obviously because he bumps you up. He bumps you up a little bit. I he think. does. Oh yeah. I mean, he bumps you up. He lets you bring. I mean, you can smart. You can start smart at the two, um, and have him guard. You know, just worry about defense, which I think would be a plus. Or even bring smart off the bench and start Richardson. Um, yeah. I mean, he would. He would certainly raise your shilling in the short term. Again, you wouldn't. The only way to get him is a sign trade. You don't want to be able to guarantee one year. I doubt he takes a situation like that. Like. Um, and that would obviously have hard cap. There'd be a lot of moving balls in the air there with the hard cap and stuff that would make it tricky to pull off without a lot of subsequent moves. But I don't know, even like if all things being equal for either of you guys, like you'd say, okay, you have Schroeder here for a year. And then what happens? Like, especially if you're going after other guys, I don't know whether that makes a ton of sense either. Yeah, not to me. Um, I mean, listen, anybody who wants to come in for way below market value, you, I guess you take, even if it's just because like they're way below market value. So it's a very tradable contract or something right. like that. Uh, if you were to bring Schroeder in and you're thinking that your guard rotation is going to be Schroeder smart and Josh Richardson, like there's like no real shooting there, um, which is a, a concern. And again, like how far do you really want to bury Peyton Pritchard and Aaron e. Smith and Romeo Langford? Like if this is your bridge year and there's nothing else major that's coming, you kind of need to invest some amount of time in those players because you're gonna have to make decisions potentially on if you want to trade them if you you know which one do you want to keep if you're if if everything works out and you are in a bradley beal uh you know trying to clear cap space situation at the end you're gonna have to know which which of those players you potentially want to keep if you're if you only choose one of them something like that and i think if you bring Schroeder in like you may win a game or two more um but you're also i think limiting some other developmental opportunities and and when they talked about 
making moves that you know would support their wings basically i don't think that move actually makes it any makes life any easier on on jalen and jason um for that reason that he's kind of ball dominant but not really a shooter and i don't i don't know what that really does for them yeah if they if they want to play small rich i feel like don't doesn't a depth guy behind tatum or brown that can play a three and four and at least take some defensive pressure off those guys again if you're interested in winning games now like that that seems to be the pretty clearest need on the roster right now right yeah and if you don't want to run them into the ground right like unnecessarily if again if there's a bridge if this is a bridge year you know you, you want they're, they're going to play their asses off but you don't want to grind them down right you don't want to go tibs on them but also yeah and to your point ryan like not only is development but like showcasing like peyton pritchard can look pretty damn good if he's playing with smart the jays and rob yeah right? just shooting like, alone right i mean you you won't have much playmaking pressure on him other than as a secondary playmaker who can you know, the sort of classic attack closeouts and things like that. But also, also with how deep he's willing to shoot from, I think that he actually does make things a little bit easier for some of the other players, uh, even if he is playing off ball. And, and defensively, that's not great. We all understand, like, there's limitations to his game. But similarly with, with uh, I think, particularly Neesmith, it's like low usage, shooting, energy, rebounding. Like, that player makes life a little bit easier for the idea of, like, where we think they're going with Jalen and Jason than bringing in particularly Schroeder. That's not to say you can't bring in another point guard. I 100% agree and have for a while that the position that they need is a, is a big wing. I've been banging out about it forever. Those players just don't really exist on the cheap market because every, you know, the league just doesn't have enough of them. So unless you really are a big fan of, I mean, who's even like... Right. You're going to have to get someone to trade for that, available. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know who's who's even like I said you Winslow is maybe Kevin Knox like do you really want to take a flyer on Kevin mm-hmm. Knox and see if the Knicks want to give him a look? like he can't defend anything um, <laughs> that doesn't really solve your problem either I think the actual thing that they should be looking for is using summer league in part to bring in guys hoping that you get a sort of Javante Green sort of thing but maybe somebody who's six seven or six eight like who's the best defensive wing who's been playing in the G League and can you get them on the roster you know in, in some manner and that's more of a worthwhile risk of like trying to you know win a bronze right um yeah because those positions are so valuable that even if you get a player who isn't great they may go on to have like a 10-year career making decent money right like jay crowder was a throw-in i'm not saying that they're going to play to the level of jay crowder but jay crowder was a throw-in in a trade where it was like you can either pick from like a couple of minimum players and it happened to be that he was the one that they that they thankfully picked but um i think that's the same deal dwight powell has had a decent career in dallas he's not as good as jay crowder but like, yeah i mean he's more of a center right but like yeah yeah the same idea specifically i'm just saying like as a throw yeah that trade became the crowder for powell trade more than than it was the rondo for for uh right trade like um and i just think that you're better off sort of looking through the what's left in you know just outside the league at that position than you are maybe trying to chase a bigger name at a position where you don't need as much help and, and maybe it doesn't have any real long-term impact. What I think is so cool. And as we talk about Pritchard and Neesmith, like how are they going, how much are they going to play is that these guys are now out in front of an entirely different coaching staff. Like it was clear for whatever reason, there was something about Neesmith that Brad Stevens coaching staff and Brad didn't love. Like, and I know like he hadn't played in a while, but I know, I, I know there are people in the organization that were wanting Neesmith to play earlier. And you can't really argue with the results. Like once he actually got consistent run, like, but now there's a, there's a whole new, whole new guy. He's got impressed. Like if Aaron Neesmith is who we hope he is, like he's going to get those minutes. Like, like Ime and Stoudemire and the whole, and the whole crew, they, they are going to see a guy and say, we need to have him on the court. Same with Pritchard. 
So I think that's interesting. I think we're going to get a, like a, a, a fairer idea of who these guys really are, like in the scope of not only this team, but just as NBA players in general. That's a great point. And to the end of last season, right, go ahead, be around. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny that we, we're, we say Pritchard and, and Nismith so much. And it's funny that Romeo Langford has not even entered the conversation, which kind of just shows you where yeah. he's, he's at in terms of playing. But again, this is from a huge summer for him too, from that standpoint of being like, okay, is he someone who can handle the ball with the second unit? And is he, are we going to see him play three weeks in a row without something happening to him? Like, and is he, can he actually shoot when he has, you know, a decent sample size, all these answers are again, once again, pretty important to the long-term plan. And, but the, yeah, the, and ultimately, I mean, his upside might be as good as Nismith, but we, we have no idea if that's the case. I say, Ryan, what's, what is uh, Romeo's ceiling? Do you think, let's say he somehow stays healthy. Let's say, let's just say he even plays in 80% of the games. What is his ceiling? Is there a comp like on another team that you, you could envision? I don't even know. I'm trying I mean, to think of it right now. Weird player for the modern game, right? Like he's a sort of playmaking too, but he's not a shooter. He's a better defender than anybody thought he was going to be like, honestly, I don't know what, like what a great, comp for him would be you know is he are you hoping that he's sort of a d'anthony melon type player you know a slasher not a great shooter good defender can can make a you know do a little bit of playmaking like that type of player he's not that big um could he could he be a second unit point guard ever could he ever run the show I like can't like, like evan turner I mean, a little bit didn't look like it last year he's got a long way to go <laughs> okay well i mean all that is i'm talking at the top i'm, talking, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. jason tatum right like yeah. is Jason? Are you talking about a unit, a second unit where it's Tatum and four bench guys, and he's the the next closest thing to a point guard? You can get away with a lot with that. I mean, we've seen for for years that LeBron plus four guys, but usually those four guys are all shooters, and it's like somebody who has a little bit of playmaking and better shooting. And if he can't, if he never develops as a shooter, then he won't, you know, sort of ever fit a, a comfortable role. Uh, I, so from that standpoint, you wonder if he's more of a player who's like always hypothetically good and has skills but that you can never he's never good enough to like mold your team around those skills and so he then never fits in with anybody else and those players like those players come and go you see them all the time just players who are like they don't quite have the skills to be a role player Uh, and I worry that that's the situation with him but as he said yesterday like he's basically a rookie right he's hasn't had any real playing time um, in any defined role and so it's not out of the question that he will find that and prove all this wrong And, and a lot of it is really just like we know he can defend. I know he can dribble. It's can he shoot? Um, and if he can, then he's interesting. And if he can't, then he's a challenge M- much more than Neesmith. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go back to the current off season. Now, after we've kind of worked through the roster a little bit there, um, another, again, the shoe that we're waiting to drop on Friday morning here is the, uh, the Tristan Thompson for Chris Dunn and Bruno Fernando three team trade that, was done, I think, last a week ago, but um, wasn't done officially in the last league year, which means they had to wait till today at least to, to make it official. Whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But there's there's a couple of different directions they could go in here. You know, they could they have the option of expanding the deal and taking back money for for Tristan Thompson's contract up to I think about twelve million dollars or so. Um, Ryan given the implications of that versus, you know, just creating a trade exception, leaving it as is like, I think it is it fair to say this is going to tell us a lot about what the plans are for next season, how they do this and also how much they're actually able to, you know, willing to spend on next season. 
Well, I think it first asks, you know, we'll answer how much you're willing to spend on this season. Right. And that's what um, I meant this season, this upcoming season. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant yeah. into yeah, the, no, no, no. into the this, Beal chase sort of, yeah. sort of deal. Um, yeah. I mean, yes, they can add about 12 million. Although if you were to add another player, Carson Edwards, whoever, then that immediately expands a little bit bigger. They're at 15 sort of roster spots now. Um, so it could be that they can even reach a little bit beyond that. And if they don't, then they would end up with a 9.7 million trade exception that would last just into the beginning of, of next off season. Now that carries a cap hold. So you can't like sign Brad Beal and then use it, which is I'm, people will be wondering that, you know, 10 months from now, if that's the right. way they go, you have to renounce um, it. but can they add $10 million in salary right now? Can they find a player who they think is worth adding 10 million in salary and then adding that 10 million basically being what you are into the, into the luxury tax. And I, I just, you know, I don't know the answer to that. None of us know the answer to that, right? Hopefully we find out uh, in, in the near future. It's also worth mentioning that like they can go 10 million over and then find ways to cut back some of it later, or they could move Chris Dunn as part of this trade and he wouldn't be a larger part of salary matching. But if Dunn ends up on a third team or fourth team or whatever, however many teams are end up in that, you could add some players that way. But, you know, you start to look at it and you're like, okay, well, who's available in this sort of 12 million ish dollar range and who can you get without encumbering your future picks? If your plan is to basically be trying to trade for Beal with all your picks, like the, the universe of players who you figure that they would see as worth it to go into luxury tax isn't huge. You don't know if they're available. I guess is so what happened is that basically they said, well, we can make this trade the day before the new season starts, and we get a $9.2 million trade exception and we get to preserve Daniel Tice's trade exception, or we can wait through the moratorium, sort of see if anything develops. And the, what you lose from that is that you lose that, that Tice trade exception right. uh, for $5 million. But like, there's our Kemba, you're creating a new one for Thompson. You're already at the luxury tax. Like what's the actual utility for that Daniel Tice trade exception? Like it's not a huge opportunity cost to just sort of throw that away. I think the opportunity actually would be better to do what they've seemingly done, which is wait through the moratorium and see if they could pick up a salary dump that gets them another pick or add another player or something like that. And whether or not they've been able to do that is kind of irrelevant. I don't, even if they haven't, I think it was probably the right decision to wait through and try, but we may also find that they did find some way to expand out and add another useful player or get involved in something else. And then, like I said, pick up a pick or something like that to facilitate. Uh, so I think the opportunity cost is worth it, even if it doesn't potentially lead anywhere, you know, too big. Rich, are you mad this year if they don't spend into the tax as a, as a fan? No, I mean, I, I'll be wrong. It takes a lot for me to get mad now. I'm an old man. I feel like, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe some people get older at age, but at least as the Celtics are concerned, I, I can't do it. Especially, like, we get to watch Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown play basketball. That's pretty cool. I can't get too mad. Maybe that's that's the wrong thing to say. We're the state of mind some people are in right now. But um, I I don't know. I, I mean, are, so here's a better question for me: Are the Celtics is Wick Rausbeck willing to do it? Right. Is, is it just is it just a non-starter, or is it like okay if if something works out when you can say to me, I, you know, if they're not a legit contender, if we can't sit here and have that conversation. I don't really blame Wick, to be honest. And that seems to be like, well, when's the last time that they did go into it? It's been a long time, right? They the last Kyrie year, ago. right? They yeah. were three and a half million over a, a couple seasons ago, which is part of what the whole thing last year with, oh, we're going to dump Tice to avoid the repeater because next year we could be, you know, we're going to keep Evan Fournier and be 15 million deep and all that. Um, I think the Tice salary dump and then going into this year, if they end up not, being over the, you know, ending the season over the tax will at least like peel away a little bit of the veneer of the, the idea of like, we'll pay the tax, we'll pay the tax, we'll pay the tax. Um, and people will just think, no, actually, you're not going to pay the tax and that that will 
in some circles anyway, but not the huge, you know, probably not the circles of people who are like paying for season tickets and things like that. You know, I'm talking like Twitter, right? Um, will turn people off to that ownership group. Um, whether or not that matters, what is that worth paying tens of millions of dollars in luxury tax? They, they may just be like, yeah, well, that's, they're going to hate, they just got to okay. win. If you strange. build a winner, you can, you can be the worst guy in the world. People are going to love you. You know yeah, what I mean? Unfortunately, build a winner if you're willing yeah. to spend more money, it, just the way the league works. Right. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's peeled away some of that veneer of people thinking that this was a, you know, a big spending ownership group. And, and when you look at some of the other teams out there, like, does anybody really think that the Warriors are going to win the title this year? They've got like a $150 million tax bill. <laughs> and, and I think most people are like, yeah, that may be like a five seed. Um, and yes, they, they have made a ton of money over the last couple of years, but, but still, if they don't find a way to add another impact player, like they could be paying historically enormous amounts of money for a team that, that nobody I think seriously thinks is a contender. So why is, why are the Celtics, um, being treated so differently from a team like the Warriors when, you know, the Warriors are sort of nouveau riche, right? Yeah. The people are root for the Celtics may want to think that, that they, they're in the same class in terms of spending, but right now they just don't appear to be. Okay. I say not to mention that. And, and Wick Grosbeck is a very successful man. I think we were to all switch places with Wick Grosbeck in, in terms of a bank account in a second. But if you have the list of the wealthiest organizations and the wealthiest ownerships in the NBA, like do, where do the Celtics rank? It's pretty low now, right? Um, yeah. I mean, it depends on sort of what you're, how you're classifying that. So the reality is that the Celtics don't own the arena. They don't own their sports network. Um, they own part Wick, of it. They own part of it, 25% of it. Right. Yeah. Um, but they don't own the whole thing. They don't own own the their their venue. Um, they did spend a decent amount of money building practice facilities and things like that, and investing in that way. Uh, but the ownership group is not Steve Ballmer, right? They're not like super high on the list. And it's a little bit hard to decouple some of these things because part of his a large part of his his net worth is that he owns the Celtics and that the Celtics are worth three billion dollars and two hundred and something million dollars for him twenty years ago, right? So like right. actual net worth, but that isn't cash flow. Like in terms of cash flow, I don't think that they're particularly high on, on the list. The team does make money, but again, if they own the arena and own the sports network, they, they would make more. So I don't think they're like top of the list on terms of cash flow either, or, you know, not to the extent that people think of when you associate the Celtics and the NBA. And so, I mean, like looking back at the present and to Trudeau's point, it's tough to, if they have no chance to, to contend this year, like you can't really get to, fire about but the bigger point stands in terms of like when are they actually gonna like you know they've had chances to push their chips in and spend a lot to to keep guys here and they you know some of that hasn't been done for strategic purposes but for like this season that kind of goes out the drain now like there's no need to avoid the repeater tax um you know you already did that two years in a row so that's not a threat anytime soon so if you're not spending to spend this year and this is and nothing happens to the tristan thompson deal and they kind of just you know make minor moves on the fringes then I think that would be, you know, certainly underwhelming. And part of me thinks that's like, and they honestly would get comfortable. I, so that's what I think. I mean, I don't think they're done here. Like, I think, again, this is only, we're only four days in the free agency. There's a lot of time left. I think we'll, looking at guys in summer league, figuring out who you want to keep and go there. And, you know, there's still obviously a lot of moving uh, parts here as long as that trade doesn't become finalized. So it, part of me thinks that's like, yeah, like they, they are still planning for next year, but that doesn't mean, I, I, I find it hard to believe that they're, they're done tinkering here and are done spending here. And I, th I think there is a reality where it would do it. Oh, I'm sure. No, there's no, I do. I have no so doubt about I, that. I don't think he's unwilling, you know? So I, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that they would spend into the tax. This is something that that is always out there as well. Like people hear into the tax and think that that means infinitely into the tax. And like, are they going to spend what the Warriors are projected to spend this year? I don't think that will ever happen. I think they could be the defending champions and they wouldn't be able to, you know, they wouldn't be willing to do that. Like how it looks like the Bucks are not willing to go deep into the tax this year, even being defending champions. Now, financially, those two franchises are in different positions, but like, I don't, expect you to ever see a situation where they're spending more than the entire payroll in tax right like and no. you can get there relatively quickly with the with the way they work so i don't think that will ever happen but yeah i agree that if they need to go five eight million into the, into the tax like would they pull the plug on a successful season i can't imagine that they actually would do that um which is better than some franchises who who are in a position where they would do that because they have revenues that are just a lot lower um so you get that far but it, it's not Right, it's not great. Like it would be better if they had an owner who was the, who was Josiah. For all I have issues with Josiah, like financially alone, like he or, or Balmer or somebody like that, they just have more money that they can spend on that kind of thing, and it, it does help. So, what do we think is going to happen here? What do you with this trade? Do you guys think they're going to expand this and maybe get another solid veteran in here that still gives them flexibility, or even is a guy that's worth keeping around long term? Or do you guys think that it's... they're uh, working on it right now? Do you think as we're having this conversation? I, I, I mean, it's... Zarin's pounding the table. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Anderson. I mean, you'd think something would have leaked by by this point if they were doing anything substantial. Right. Um, so I don't know if anything... It, it seems like not. I mean, there, it may end up being that the trade is really different than what's reported, but I don't know. I think we would have heard something if there was more than that. But it would be nice if they if they are. And then I think the watch from there, you know, you talked about, talked about Summer League and looking at players there. To me, the watch from there is like, do they think that they can extend either Smart or Rob Williams in a way that they are confident enough that they will retain their value that they could salary dump them down the line? Right. If they were in the in a Beal sweepstakes, or is the sort of threat of having max cap space relatively in pocket um, and trying to scare off other Beal suitors or whatever? You know, when you get to the trade deadline, enough where they will not go that route. Um, for me, I think that it's very interesting the Rob Williams. Uh, extension discussions because of where his cap hold is and how much I think he should actually get in an extension where you might be able to extend him and actually still hold max cap space sort of right on the edge. Um, so I think that's an interesting conversation, although most people seem to think that it's a, a not almost a non-starter and that it's just like too risky for both sides. Um, smart. It's really kind of a question of like what their actual vision and plan is here. And are they just sort of playing it by the seat of their pants or is there some bigger, you know, cap space plan that's being enacted here? I th- I think they know. I think Beal and Tatum. I mean, how how could they not? Right. I mean, unless I he really hasn't made up his mind. But it just it just it just feels like again, if this is what they're doing, if they're go if it, they're going all in on the Beal type of player, and we all agree that there might not be another Beal type of player that's going to be available in that way, right? Zach Levine's the only that. guy who could. Yeah, but I but you'd th- you'd think here to Teresa's point, they have the best source here you can hope for in Tatum being like, you're going to know one way or another. Like, TM's going to go to Beal at whatever, some point next season or after the season ends. So they can, that should help with their planning, whether Beal says, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm saying it's done. Stay I think they've already planned. No, I've learned my lesson on this. I just, I don't, I can't, <laughs> it's possible. I know we're up against time here and we can't go too deep into this, but like they had Brad Stevens and Gordon Hayward was coming onto the market and they buy, they did not trade for Paul George or for Jimmy Butler and everybody was like, because it's in the bag, it's in the bag, we know it's in the bag. And it wasn't in the bag. They ended up getting him, but he did actually go and seriously take other meetings and go talk to other teams. Uh, By all accounts, he discussed other things. And like, it could have fallen apart. It was not locked up. And these things, particularly this part, a year in advance, I just can't believe that it's fully locked up. 
I don't watch The Bachelor, and I don't think I doubt you. you maybe Ryan, you're a closet fan. Any chance? Never seen it, but I know my wife watches the it concept. a lot. There you go. Be Rob's the expert. So we'll get Kate on here for next time for. To, okay, yeah. but you know, so sometimes when there are like four people left, like they know who's gonna. I'm sure the Bachelor or Bachelorette knows deep down who they're picking, but you got to go through the song and dance because you like the attention, and you never know what's gonna happen. But deep in your heart, you never you know what's gonna know. happen. That's my point. You never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we'll we'll put a bonnet. We'll get into you know the bachelor deep dive and comparisons to the Beal situation um, next week. But uh, as always, follow us at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter. Follow Ryan at Danger Cart. Follow Rich at Rich underscore Levine. And we'll be back with you guys next week to see if we have some answers in terms of what this Celtic season really looks like. <laughs>